Yeah, she'll teach you how to be artistically you. Not afraid to talk about what's taboo. So don't play small. Join the podcast with Nikki Collins. Autism Unmasked. Hello and welcome to today's show with myself, Nikki Collins. And I'm joined by Chesie Kennedy, who delivers neurodiversity training in the workplace. And she also has two sheds. One is strictly for painting and one is not. So welcome to the show, Chesie. Thank you so much for joining me. And I have a feeling that this episode might contain little snippets of cheekiness and mischief. So how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm ready for the randoms that tend to happen when I'm a guest on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Randoms are the best part. And that's the best bit about when two neuro different people come together and go down the random rabbit hole. Love it. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) So why do you have two sheds? Because I'm very greedy. I'm very posh. You have to have more than one shed when you're a posh person. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, because I've got too many toys. (laughs) So I have one shed full of little people that I paint not like real little people, that's a bit wrong, um, plastic little people. <laughs> and the other the other shed contains my resin printers and tools for the garden, so boring adult stuff, plus resin printers, and resin printers stink, and they're a bit toxic, so I keep them separate. That's where I print my little people. Oh, wow. I know we spoke briefly about 3D printing. When I sh- when I showed you that horse that I had sculpted a couple of weeks ago, I just find it amazing that you can recreate something in 3D from a printer. It's just wow, mind blowing. Yeah. It's like magic. Exactly. I also know how much resin stinks because I looked into resin art at some po- some point in a previous special interest potential, yeah. <laughs> and decided against it. So, but it does stink. So, yeah. okay. So basically you're posh with two sheds because you've got too many toys. Yes. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Now with your work, that's, it's quite an important thing that you do what we're working in the sector that you do. So do you know, like, tell us a little bit about kind of how that works on a, on a, well, I say on a day-to-day, but I guess that no one day is the same, is it really? No, which is exactly how I like it, because I'm not very good at doing samey, unless it is so samey you can switch your brain off, in which case I love that kind of samey. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's a different rabbit hole. I'm resisting. I'm going to stick to the question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we go into workplaces and we deliver neurodiversity training. Now, as you well know, Nikki, the word neurodiversity means everyone yes and it's really important that it's not and with introduction of a new word and new people getting to know it they sometimes think oh neurodiversity that means people who don't think the same way as everybody else Mm -hmm. but the actual word neurodiversity means everybody neurodivergent thinkers and neurodiverse thinkers and neurotypical thinkers yes everybody which is why our training that we do is really helping people to understand that when you get inclusion right it works for everybody let's not create a them and us culture 
let's just be thinking, what can we do? What is it that, yes, neurodivergent individuals need to be able to be the best version of themselves, to have their best day when they're struggling their worst? But you know what? That will also help the stressed individual, the individual who's English isn't their first language mm. or somebody who maybe they're a carer themselves. Maybe they're exhausted. Maybe they were up till two o'clock at night on a rabbit hole and now they're tired. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're autistic, that can happen often. Exactly. So do you, how would you feel if your job was samey? So if you had to do the same thing every day and there was no variation? Um, well, see, that's really interesting. When I was a teenager and just left school I did some factory work over the summer and I have to say I really enjoyed it because it was literally just doing the same thing Mm. and you were able just to completely switch off so I would replay whole films in my mind like my favorite film just go over it every single I think the, the film that I went over the most used to be look who's talking um I would know all the words to that and there was at one point, obviously, Greece. Everybody has to go over Greece. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was able, if I can't think at all, then that's great. But what I really can't cope with is a day when you need you need to think, but it's not exciting thinking. Mm. You no, know, when you've got a day, you've got to do your emails, you've got to well, if you, you've got to catch up on that report that you promised that you'd write, and you're just like Oof. That's yeah, exciting, but you have to do it. Adulting, the tick box things yes. that have to be done just because someone yeah. said that it has to be done. And it's just, it's almost, it almost wants to put you into a Kevin moment. And oh, it's so unfair. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> yeah, but I find that's when, when I've got those things to do, that's when my, my brain, the other side of my brain's like, oh, I have a plan. <laughs> yes that happened yesterday I was meant to be just doing some just general catching up on business stuff creating like IP content like writing interesting blog posts things I was meant to be doing that and as a dyslexic individual I hate writing anyway so my my wife took down the wardrobe that used to be in this room there used to be a big wardrobe next to me so she Mm -hmm. took it down and I was looking at all the bits of wardrobe thinking oh, I could make myself a fancy desk with that. And so, of course, yesterday, my brain was like, oh, we can make a desk. So what did I do? I made myself a swanky big desk, which I'm now sat at. <laughs> did you get the blog written? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you find that the, the, the bigger the task or the more that you don't want to do it, the bigger the projects are that you manage to find to fill the time to avoid doing the thing that you really don't want to do. Yep. But now <laughs> I've still got to write those blogs, but I'll just wait because finally my brain will go, oh, it's a right blog day. And I'll write like 15 in one go. Because I've got no, 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 no. I know. I know exactly what that's like. And when that hyper focus is engaged and it's just like, right, today I shall create world domination in your case i will write 15 blogs in my case it will be something completely different and it would not involve making a desk (laughs) (laughs) and 
it's about really going with that flow sometimes and giving yourself the space to go, do you know what? My brain is not going to engage in this. I used to try and do my writing on a Monday and my brain is just, computer says no. It's just not happening because you can have your ideas. So you've switched off over the weekend. Monday is a time to start to come back online. Tuesday is when you can start writing and getting those ideas down. But if ideas come to you on Monday, write them down. Yeah. Mm. And it's, I think it's a real process. And it's only since I've got to know myself and understand myself and forgive myself and not get cross with myself. Yes. Because there would have been a time where I'd have gone, no, I have to work Monday to Friday, nine to five or whatever. This is what I do. I must work. And I won't be able to concentrate because my brain's going, we can make a desk. We could use big screws or how big could we make it? Ooh, we could have so much fun. I'm like, no, no, I must concentrate. And you're not really very productive because the other part of your brain is just at you. Yes. So you may as well just go with it calm it down again but okay right we're in the zone now (laughs) exactly so what does your wife think of the desk she's a bit jealous because it's bigger than hers (laughs) (laughs) oh I love it so you two are the proud parents of three teenagers so that must be fun four I've got three you're 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 even crazier than I first suspected and that's quite (laughs) crazy in all the best ways, obviously, <laughs> just to clarify to people listening. <laughs> they are, three of them are autistic. Um, yeah. yeah well, one, of, one of them doesn't have a diagnosis. Doesn't mean he's not, but. Well, if he doesn't we, stand out as not being weird then, or being weird. <laughs> well, that's the trouble, but we are, we are the kind of, I remember going to his parents' evening at school once and his teacher said to me, Oh, he's very quirky. And I looked at her and I was like, what? He's our definition of normal. (laughs) (laughs) So I I don't know what she was seeing. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's kind of a sign when people say, oh, you're a bit quirky, a bit out there, a bit eccentric or whatever word they like to use. And then you're like, really? That's just such and such. You think, oh. But because you're near a different family, then it's kind of normal for you to just have your own set of oddities. Yeah, exactly. We were just like <laughs> what other people would call whatever goes. Yeah. So in this household, we have um, autism, dyspraxia, dyslexia, dysgraphia, ADHD. We've got yeah. quite a lot ticking them boxes. Oh, gays. Yeah. This celiac. Celiac, yeah, I've got one of them. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got gays. My son came out to me as being heterosexual the other day, but oh. uh, I know you can't win them all. I, I keep working on mine. I did say to my kids the other day we were having dinner. I was like, you know how embarrassing it is that all of you are straight. <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, I said, oh, I said I'm disappointed. No daughter of mine should be straight, son. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a bit of banter he does make me laugh but he, he it was just a, a bit of a, a standing joke between us so. a couple of years ago we had a, a such a, a funny you know when you, you have these conversations around the table and you think that could only happen in our house yeah so our youngest son was teasing his older brother 
Mm. And he just turned around. She went, you do realise mums kiss more girls than you. <laughs> it was just hilarious. <laughs> the things that kids say and they come yeah. out with, especially when they get to those teenage years. Sometimes they're, it's like my stepdaughter could be seen as being a quiet, introverted person. <laughs> you get her in the right environment, she is not quiet and introverted. And some of the stuff she comes out with, it just has me in hysteric. She's <laughs> hilarious. She's one of the funniest people I know. Brilliant kid. <laughs> just turned 16 and has that air of innocence. So when she says something that is not perceived to be innocent, it's even funnier. So what kind of keeps you all together as a family because there must be there are so many different challenges within your unit well what could be perceived as challenges from the outside world looking in Mm -hmm. I think the majority of us just kind of get stuck in find a way that works for us but in order to find a way that works for us there's a lot of trial and error and going back over old ground to see what we could have done differently so how's that sort of experience been for you um I've got to admit, I think the one of the reasons that my wife and I have been so successful in our relationship, um, we've been together 14 years now, um, so since the kids were tiny, and that definitely helped. Mm. The, the youngest two were three, so we've all grown up together, but definitely both having children with additional needs I think has made the world of difference because we've been able to understand each other and it is very hard. It doesn't matter what anybody says, you cannot force somebody else to love your children, your Mm -hmm. own children. You can expect them to be respectful of them and to be kind to them and to care for them, but you can't expect someone to love your children. And particularly when you've got children with additional needs, I think that's even harder and particularly if the other person has normal, as they say, children, mm-hmm. they look at things differently and they might see, oh, your child's been a brat. Whereas we were both able to see that our children, yeah, there were times, absolutely, they were horrible. Mm-hmm. But we could always see that it wasn't personal and it was something we had to work through. And and I and I don't honestly think I could have had a relationship as successful if it wasn't for the fact that we both had children with additional needs. It makes sense because what can be seen as bad behaviour, which could be contributed to bad parenting, yep. it's not that at all. It's like you're doing your absolute utmost to raise your child with, well, healthily and yep. raising a happy child. But when you don't know about like the sensory needs or yeah. just generic needs of neurodivergent people in general not even children this goes across the board when there's bad behavior there that is a language Mm -hmm. and by having two parents who have got children who have additional needs at least you can come together and you're not like well your child's really naughty and mine's not yeah it's there's a communication thing here and we need to become a detective and kind of work out what what's happening in this little person's world right now yeah exactly I put a course together with my son actually about that and nice. like going together he was my consultant on it <laughs> <laughs> and I thought autistic adult autistic teen bring those two voices together and 
really kind of drill down what some of the challenges are from both perspectives so from adult parent and from child as well yeah and I've got to say although it was hard work when they were children when they were little it was hard Mm. but now that they are teenagers a lot of people I know I'm on I don't go on Facebook much but I'm on a, a teen parent group some of the things that teenagers get up to and the stories that these parents are telling made me realize that actually, do you know what? Our teenagers are not perfect, but they don't give me a quarter of the aggro that other teenagers do because they don't have that same mentality. They like structure. They like rules. And if the rules make sense, they will follow it. Yeah, like we have a, an eleven thirty Monday to Thursday curfew in the house, which some teenagers would be like, well, "Get lost! I'm just not coming back." Mm. But we've said to our guys, "Look, come in at eleven thirty because we've got dogs. You might be able to sleep until two in the morning, but we've got to work. So, if you wouldn't mind, and because that makes sense to them, they're they're all right. Oh, okay, they don't like it. Yeah, but they'll adhere to it. Whereas. A lot of teenagers would just go, no, I'm not not doing that. I think that comes with that openness as well. And if a rule makes sense Mm. to a neurodivergent person, they're more likely to follow it if it makes sense. So when you frame it in that way, look, it's like, it's, it's, I've got to get up in the morning. Don't want the dogs being Mm. disturbed and barking and waking up the neighbours. It's logical. And our brains mostly... Teenagers, maybe not so much, but (laughs) our brains are pretty logical. So what are your thoughts about inclusion at school, Chessie? Well, (laughs) (laughs) you've got nothing nice to say. Don't say nothing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Now, now. (laughs) There's a huge, there is a huge problem. And it wouldn't be fair of me to come on to your podcast and slate the teachers because it's not the teacher's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. Agreed. There is a huge problem with the education system as it is. Mm-hmm. The When we think of the education system, it was set up for the industrial era. Yes. For just churning kids out so that they could be good industrial leaders or good industrial workers. Mm-hmm. We're now in the digital age. It needs to change. It needs a complete overhaul. We've spent so long kind of allowing kids to you can take control of your own learning as long as it comes from this textbook and -hmm. you do it in this way we're still not allowing kids to unlock their mind and if there's a kid who's really excited by space for example they're still not given that autonomy to go and learn everything there is about space and see how many skills that can interlink with yeah which is a real shame and and I think as as neurodivergent individuals within the school system suffocated there's still that point where it's easier for schools to label a child naughty Mm -hmm. than saying they've got additional needs because as soon as a school admits that a child has additional needs they then have to spend money on them which the money isn't there. The schools only get one pot of money unless a child has an EHCP or something like that, mm. um, educational healthcare plan, the schools have to take that money out of their own pot. 
and easy and it's flawed. Care, it is flawed and those care plans they're not easy to get hold of you don't just rock up one day and say do you know what my child's got these needs and these different yeah. abilities and just give me this bit of paper no you have to jump through so many hoops yeah and the amount of parents that jump through these hoops just to be met by a closed door at the end mm. of it it's it's almost soul destroying so it's like how much do you have to put yourself through to get something that might not even be actioned anyway because the service that schools can give or colleges or whatever institution or system that you're working within it's only it's only as good as a provision is willing yes yeah and it's it's not fair and once again it comes back to maybe the parents who can shout the most the parents it comes all back to that privilege if you've got the privilege and you can pay for reports written by different people you might get somewhere but it, it shouldn't be like that and the real scary thing when we think of inclusion how do we get inclusive workforces if mm-hmm. we don't have inclusive schooling because let's be honest the employers the ones who are more likely to be doing the hiring in the future are going to be the neurotypical kids more often than not so we need those kids to be remembering their school experience where they had Jimmy in their class who had ADHD, but they remember that, oh, Jimmy, yeah, he was he had really good ideas. He, he sometimes sat on a, on a yoga ball in class and he could concentrate. He'd come up with great ideas. Not, yeah. I remember Jimmy, yeah, he always got sent out of the class for being noisy. Yeah. That's not oh. what we want them to remember. No, it's about finding the strengths that these, I don't like to call them conditions because they're not conditions, they're just variations mm. of different brain of, of brain types. Yeah. But things like ADHD, autism, it's just a different way of thinking. And if those differences were encouraged from an early age at school, then in time that will filter through through the generations because mm. this isn't an overnight transformation. This isn't just a few people going into schools and being able to say, this is what autism is. This is what ADHD is. Yeah. It, it's about actually like saying, do you know what? We're all different and that's okay. Absolutely. Jimmy, yes, he's like goes hyper and he has to like leave the classroom or bounce around on his ball. But when he he gets rid of that energy and he does it this way so for you that might be look like this Mm -hmm. and then we can actually start to see that there are some similarities but the experiences that we go through are much more heightened especially in these settings schools workplaces definitely one of the things my daughter said to me just a couple of months ago actually she's we were watching a program she said oh I remember mum when I was at school, I got taken into another room and I had to do friendship skills. So she was with some other kids, I guess they were autistic as well, and they were learning how to make friends. And so she's 19 now. And she said, but what I don't understand, why wasn't the rest of the class taught how to make friends with me? Yeah. yeah. So that is so true. Why do we take children out of main class to learn social skills? All children, all of us Mm -hmm. need to learn social skills, which comes back to the training that we deliver. We teach communication skills that are of direct communication so that 
everyone understands what you're saying in the first place. Exactly. I think with neurotypicals, they're not direct enough. Mm. So there's so many things that are missed out and our brains go into panic mode. It's like, but how do you get from there to here to there to there? And then we tend to mask because we don't want to ask too many questions because if we ask too many questions, we're now drawing attention to ourselves. And if we don't ask enough questions, we're more likely to make mistakes. So if that communication is direct and the processes and how to do these things are laid out, almost like a timeline, yeah. we are then able to follow them. And that's when we start to really excel, as long as it's something that engages our brain and we actually enjoy. Otherwise, it's just, well, we're going to start making desks out of water. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a good desk. I'll show you. I need a, yeah, I need a photo. I'll put a photo on social media of your desk. <laughs> that is a really good desk see and that's all that's left of the wardrobe <laughs> oh my goodness there it is see going to business desk making wow and it doesn't How long wobble. Did that take all day <laughs> well i think that that is a day well spent i really really do and you've got something tangible you weren't sitting there going uh blogs right um mm, uh mm, blogs so i mm, blogs Oh, desk. Yes. And you've got a desk. Yes. And I know that people can't see this, but it is a really good desk. It's got drawers and everything. <laughs> Creative skills. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'd go I'd go nuts if I didn't have some source of creative outlet, whether that's writing. And more recently, I've got back into my art and that's really good. I'm doing a project, a grief project, and oh, wow. it's a. I've just received the pack today, and it's every everyone experiences grief differently, and it's basically how you've experienced grief and the loss of someone. And I'm toying between two ideas at the moment, so I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. But I lost my dad back in 2012. To suicide and it's not something that's oh. necessarily spoken about and I'm 10 years on in that journey so I think I'm probably going to do something around that which will be cool and then they are collecting it all and they're creating it into one space so there's got a big representation visual representation of all these different letters of what grief means to each of the people who have experienced some form of grief in their life wow that's really cool I thought it's just so much power in that. And it just, again, makes people feel so much less alone. And I think that's a, just a common goal with everything that we do, especially in the sphere that we kind of work in, to feel less alone. It's the purpose of things like this, like the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly when we think of neurodivergent individuals, their risk factors of poor mental health is so high mm. because, like you said, that – that constant masking or that your self-esteem is so low because you've tried so so hard to get it right yet you've mm. still made a mistake somewhere exactly exactly but that perfectionism we kind of need to try and let go with that a little bit otherwise it just drives us insane but I think that's a learning curve and the older you get the more as long as you are aware that that's what you're doing and as long as you are aware that there are different options that done 
is sometimes good enough and it doesn't have to be perfect because things can be tweaked at a later point. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the things I learned when I did my degree um, about four years ago now. I did a degree in special educational needs because being having my own business wasn't enough. So I thought I need to do a degree full time as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I told myself is that if I got to a point where I was really struggling and I thought I could chuck this all in, I would allow myself just to get enough to pass so that I could continue doing. Yeah. And I came across a module and it, it, I think it was all about politics or something. And it made no sense because it was looking at the government when David Cameron was in. And I was like, what's the point in this? And like you said, Nikki, with that, the autistic brain, something doesn't make sense. I was just like, why am I having to write about this policy? It's not relevant to now. I couldn't get my head around it. So I did the module. I looked at it. It's like, what do I need to do just to pass? Mm. And that's all I did. I let it go. And I didn't get a first in the end because I let it go. Yeah. I got a 2-1, but I got a 2-1. I got a degree. And if I'd have allowed my perfectionism to take over, I'd have just quit. Exactly. So. Exactly. And I've, there's power in that. There really is. And that's a really important message to get out there with me and my art. I used to drive myself insane with it because I would do like anatomically correct drawings and it would need to be precise and I'm realized I'm not that sort of artist so I had a lot of internal stress and a lot of internal pressure so it kind of took away from the whole point of having a creative outlet because it was stressing me out and in the end I started with my sculpting and it's fantastic because I can just I can get stuck in it's one of the only times that when I'm doing a physical t- task that I can take my glasses off and have a better view. <laughs> I mean, I take my glasses off. I, I'm just blind as a bat these days. Can't see anything. But yeah. when I take my glasses off and I'm sculpting, it's like I'm. A, it's in a different world. So, and I'm in that hyper focus zone, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, you saying about your art? My eldest, he was when he was doing GCSE art the night before his GCSE exams, he'd already done a load of the prep work. Mm. The night before his GCSE exam, he had a meltdown over his artwork and he shredded it all. So the next day he got to school and his teacher was like, where's your art? I'll put it in the bin. It was rubbish. So he had to do the whole of his GCSE work in one day. (gasps) He got a B. But... It, his work that he shredded was incredible. Oh. But it, it was heartbreaking to see him so distressed. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and he doesn't like art anymore, which is really sad. That could be something that comes back because I, I think, think it will. When you've got that outlet, it's something that's in you. It's yeah. almost like an essence that needs to come out. And sometimes these things get buried and then we work through something and something from the past comes up that we actually enjoy so yeah not always things from the past coming up to bite us on the backside sometimes it's like oh I used to do this and actually I remember now that I really enjoyed doing it yeah. and, and I was really good at it yeah and if I practice and do this a little bit more often maybe yeah. this is an escape for me that's a healthy outlet rather than 
all of the other unhealthy outlets that individuals can pick up over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I found with my <coughs> my miniature painting. Mm. It's the only thing that I found. It's probably the, like my wife will say, it's the longest, I don't like the word obsession, but she'll say it's the longest obsession that I've had because it's lasted since 2020, which is pretty good for me. I'd say um, special interest. Yeah, obsession. exactly. But my wealth of knowledge I'm an expert in the field <laughs> yeah. um, in my posh shed but being able to paint when I can paint I don't think of anything else yeah I'm just there it's just me and the paint and it is you can do get into that like meditative state mm. which is lovely when you finally stopped your brain from thinking about all the other crazy things mm-hmm. it's a very lovely place to be absolutely I could not agree more. I just, there's so many different things now that I'm getting into and it's, it's just nice to have a break away from advocacy and work and just all like being mum and, you know, all these labels that you get attributed to you as you, as you get older and apparently turn into an adult I think that's that's a lie there's no such thing my inner child is still very much alive <laughs> yeah but yeah we, we do need these outlets and special interests which for those who do not know the special interest is much different to a hobby it's something that a hobby can be picked up and put down a special interest is kind of it's a need it borders on obsession but it's a real strong need to do the thing and if you can't do the thing then the thing is all that you can think about and it's all about the thing even when you can't do the thing yeah and then you get annoyed that all you can think about is the thing and you just want to think about something else but you you can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah so apart from uh, painting models have you got any other special interests um no I haven't got time really so just printing them and I sometimes play play games with them but I'm not very good with like miniature gaming rule books are so big yeah and I love I love fantasy but when you can't read Mm. trying to read fantasy words is really hard yeah you tried Um, it like an audible sort of audio yeah I've listened to a few audio but again it comes down to that ability to process like I've listened to a whole story and gone Mm. "Mm." It sounds nice, but I haven't got a clue what they're saying. <laughs> I get that sometimes. I'm not dyslexic, but some it takes. I have to reread paragraphs because the information just doesn't go in sometimes. And then I'm like, has any of this gone in actually by the time I get to the end of the book? But yeah. by like the next day or two days later, I'm just about all the things I've learned from the book that I hadn't learned anything about. Go figure. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I heard a re- I saw a really funny joke last week. It was um what what do you call a group of autistic individuals? I don't know. Unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like small groups of like one other person, maybe two. <laughs> Unless it's family and that's just the kids. And it's no one. <laughs> so are you going to be staying in your job for the foreseeable future have you got any plans to expand take over the world um <coughs> domination yeah i don't really uh, so thrive has really been um developing 
over the last two years, which is really lovely because we do um, mental health training as well. So mental health neurodiversity training. And so I'm really excited to see actually where it, where it's going to go. Mm. Um, and Simon, who founded Thrive, we've got very similar viewpoints and neither of us want to become a huge business that's suddenly corporate size. Yeah. Because we don't want that. I don't want to be that. So it's exciting to see where it's going to go. I honestly don't see myself ever back in employment um, because I can kind of keep seeing my school. My school report does not play well with others, which can sometimes be a bit of a problem. Um, I'm definitely happier when I'm my when I'm working kind of working for myself, but under alongside with with thrive so it's like i have an ident- identity but also the freedom of being self-employed when you're not self-employed yeah so structure doesn't it yeah and i'm really i'm so fortunate that i have a a boss who understands me mm. and it allows me to work on energy flow and as long as everything gets done yeah he's not micromanaging me he knows i'll get done what needs to get done and yeah, I built a desk, but everything else will still get done. So I'm aware of what privilege that is. Yeah, it is a privilege, but wouldn't that be nice if that was normal? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's what we need to be starting to work towards, not the likes of you and I, because we're already doing it. I'm sat on my sofa talking yeah. to you and you are sat in your room with your new shed no not your new shed with your new I haven't table. got a shed oh there's an idea uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> I'm sorry Chessie's wife I'm so sorry shed number three is on its way <laughs> and she's got the first bit of material from that old wardrobe <laughs> <laughs> and on that note I guess I should uh let you go and uh get planning on the um on the design of your grand design of your shed but before <laughs> I do so how can people get in contact with you Chesie how can they reach you uh, probably the easiest way is LinkedIn um that's the only social media platform I'm on because the others just mess with my mental health far too much um so it's um yeah Chesie Kennedy on LinkedIn or if anybody fancies emailing me it's Chesie at it's time number two thrive.co.uk brilliant well, I will pop that into the show notes so that people can just click through to that should they wish to have a conversation about how you can help with training within their workplaces. Yeah, or if you just want to talk about 3D printing or painting, because no one ever does want to do that. <laughs> there we go then. Open invitation, 3D printing. I asked you about 3D printing the you other did. day. You did. <laughs> and I was very excited. I was like, T-Rex hands. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what we used to do? t-rex hugs and like cuddles and chase each other around and do t-rex wars <laughs> you, just can't, you just can't do anything and it's just no matter how miserable one person in your family unit is if you start doing t-rex wars <laughs> do little t-rex arms it just breaks it and for our listeners don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss an episode again thanks for tuning in to the podcast with Nikki Collins, Autism Unmatched.